Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Oh, there we, there we go. Sorry, had to press a button or I would have been sitting here talking to you guys and you guys wouldn't have been able to hear me. And I know some of you out there are probably saying, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing, but you're stuck with me tonight. Good evening, it's Let's Talk CFL podcast episode 393 in the history of this program, starting all the way back in the 2016 season. And uh, here we are, back on um, 393. Wow. Time sure flies. And time is flying this year, too, because we're now into the first week of September, meaning that we are here, and we are... This is when a lot of people say the season really starts. We're through the Labor Day game matchups. Um, It's September. The weather, well, in some places in the country, the weather's already started to turn. It's going to start turning pretty much in all of the country probably in the next two to three weeks. So if you're getting some sunny weather still right now, enjoy it because it's probably not lasting too much longer. We had a 30-degree day here in the uh, greater Vancouver area. And I just know we're not getting many more of these, so you got to soak it up while you can because September, it doesn't take long for the weather to turn, especially here in Canada. And the kids are back to school, and the traffic is a lot more busy in the mornings now than it was. People are not out of town. Vacations are pretty much over unless you're a senior citizen, and they're just starting because, yay, a lot less people around in the campgrounds, etc. But this is when we ramp up. We are into September, which means two more months from now uh, in the Grey Cup. So we're going to, and it's going to get here sooner than you think, folks. I remember last year, September and October flew by. Now, maybe that because I was going to the Grey Cup in Edmonton last week. I'm not going to make it to Calgary this year, uh, but it does fly by. And we are now getting right into the heart of things with the races uh, for all the playoff spots and playoff positioning. So um, it really is getting back to the uh, time where it really gets important. A lot of people say that up to Labor Day, it's a glorified preseason. Well, we're past Labor Day now, and it's time to roll up the sleeves and get down to business. Now, all of the teams, with the exception of probably the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts, are still got playoff aspirations. But that doesn't mean the Lions and Argonauts are going to be unimportant because they can play the role of spoiler, so they can still very much have an effect on what's going to happen going forward. So having said that long-winded intro, three minutes later, I'm going to bring in the other members of our panel tonight. Oh, by the way, uh, CJ Christopher Jones, he is busy uh, up at his place there in Merritt. Uh, I think he said he had people there and a bunch of work to do, so... He is not able to join us tonight. That's why you're stuck with me hosting. 
So I hope you can put up with me, but I'll try not to hog it. We've got three other people on the line, and they all want to talk football. And most people out there are playing are right now just saying, just give us anyone, please stop rambling. So that's what I'm going to do, and we're going to start off in going into Manitoba, where they got a big game coming up this weekend. First place on the line, it could be a tie here coming up, so a very important game this weekend. So we're going to click in and say hi to Mark. Good evening, Mark. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing all right. It is a very, very important weekend for football. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. On a few fronts. Not just in, yeah, not just in Winnipeg. All mm-hmm. the rematches are huge, too. Yep. They are. And um, Montreal, B.C., I mean, B.C.'s kind of out of it, but Montreal wants to keep pace because – I'm sure the Alouettes, they've got, uh, they've still got their eyes set on um, first place in the East, especially with the way uh, Hamilton faltered. Uh, they've been, you know, they, they've been good, they've been winning, but they've been, I think, taking steps backwards and uh, are beatable, I think, at this point. Everybody is right now. That's the fun part of this. You have no idea who's yep. going to win. And that we are on the back six already. Yeah, I know. Like I said, time's flying by. Yep. And it's just going to go quicker as the fall proceeds. So we're going to go to the other side of the uh, Winnipeg-Saskatchewan matchup this weekend, and we're going to say hello to Phil, who lives in Alberta, but is a Ryder fan. Good evening, Phil. Uh, Good evening, Charles. Yeah, you're right. Welcome. Uh, there is some great weather across Western Canada right now, and there's two yeah. big games coming up in Edmonton and Winnipeg this weekend. Yeah, I'll say. What a great opportunity for CFL fans to come out and watch. Yeah, I'll, yeah, it'll be uh, two good ones because the West, we predicted in the preseason the West was going to be a dogfight, and it has been. And literally right now, any of the first top four teams in the in the uh, Western Division can say they got a shot to win the division. So it's uh, a really important weekend with the uh, the top four teams in the West all playing each other with the rematches from Labor Day. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. It is. And it's going to start in just a couple of days. Well, it starts tomorrow, actually, with BC and Calgary. Or, excuse me, BC and Montreal. So we, we'll be getting it underway. And speaking, I mentioned Calgary there. They're not the ones playing tomorrow. They're playing this weekend in a rematch with the Edmonton Eskimos, this time in Edmonton. And we've got a Calgary Stampeder fan on the line as he joins us as he does in every show. Good evening, Will. Hello. You know what? I've been I've been looking at this quite a bit today. And you know what? If Calgary wants to finish in first place they got to run the board it's that simple they can't afford to lose a game yep so it's true they can't afford to lose a game neither can any of the other western teams but the ones that are but the ones that are ahead they can afford a little bit of loss okay so yep we shall see what happens it will Mm -hmm. be a very, very interesting finish, to say the least. Oh, I think it is absolutely, especially in the West there. And the East, yep. with Montreal coming on, the East is going to be interesting, too. 
Yep. Are you going? Are you going up to uh, Edmonton this weekend? I think you mentioned something no. about that last week. I, I You're was, not. Okay. I was. I was thinking about doing it, but I got kiboshed. But fair enough. I'm still gonna watch. I'm still gonna watch nine hours of football on Saturday. How does that sound? Well, that worked for me. Yep. So good part about that watching at home, you don't have to worry about driving or anything. So that's always a plus. And you that's get to true. see everything because. One of the things that bothers me, like when they have a double header and stuff like that, because of where I live, and the Lions are always the second game being out on the West Coast. So, if I'm leaving to go to the ball game, football game, I miss the first game all the time because I got to drive out there, so I never get to see the first game. So that's why you got the advantage uh, watching it at home because you can see it; and you don't have to go anywhere. So that's always a plus. So. All right, so I think we kind of rambled a little bit there, so I think it's a good time to go on and get into this week's game previews. And we're going to start with our game that will kick off the week, which will be tomorrow night at McGill, Molson Stadium, with the 1-9 BC Lions going into McGill to play one of the hottest teams in the CFL, and that's the Montreal Alouettes, who have really been, uh, they've been rolling lately. They've been playing extremely good football, and they've got themselves in a position to challenge not only for a playoff spot, but a spot in first place in the Eastern Division. So the Lions, well, they're looking to play spoiler this weekend. Uh, they got their new coach, Kelly, their, excuse me, their new offensive line coach, Kelly Bates, he steps in and takes over from Brian Chu, who was fired uh, during the bye week. So we'll see if that has any uh, effect on the Lions' offensive line, which has been dreadful pretty much from the first week going forward. But I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting one. Uh, let's go. Uh, I'll let Will start off here and say, uh, you know, what, Will, what do you think of this game? Uh, how do you think this one plays out? Well, you know what? I I don't know I don't know how to pick this game because yeah, Montreal's the hot hand and and BC has been horrible all year, but they're both coming off a bye week. And you can uh-huh. change some things in a bye week, okay? Um Montreal, it might have affected affected them because it screws up their momentum and BC they're just hoping to get some momentum, okay? And I'm not cutting BC down, but they just haven't been good. Um, I don't know how to pick this game, but because uh, you and CJ are BC fans, I'm not going to put the Will Jinx on you, okay? I'm going to pick Montreal over BC because every time I pick BC, they lose, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say Montreal... 28 BC 26 A close one 28-26 Interesting Alright Mark What are your thoughts on this one? Well like Will I've been really bouncing this one back and forth because of the bye weeks, but also this is BC on paper is a good team. I we all know it's the offensive line, 
They are playing Montreal, who, yeah, they're hot right now. They're probably the second hottest team in the league. But we haven't seen them playing Western teams. Now, yes, they are taking a bottom feeder of the Western team, but it's still a Mike Riley-led team. My biggest concern for BC is the usual. Will they be able to stand up to that Montreal defense? Riley can't complete passes when he's on his back. And we've already noticed he is getting a little gun-shy. So if they start flying in again, like it's been happening every game, hopefully Bates can turn it around, but it's the same personnel. So I'm not sure if just a coaching change is going to help it enough in two weeks. So... And it'll be fun to watch Vads again. Uh, see if he can improve some more on how he's been playing. So we're really sticking with that, Vadge? We are, at least myself and Will are. That's, Alrighty. that's his nickname for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody should make a t-shirt in Montreal that real quick and make a bunch of money. Probably. I'm yeah. gonna take. Yeah, I'm gonna take Montreal. I just I can't take BC. So I'm gonna say low scoring game, 23-17 for Montreal. 23-17 Montreal. Okay. Yeah. All right, Phil. You're next. Well, uh, speaking of. Uh, protection problems for Mike Riley. I noticed that uh, BC is not dressing Suk Chung, and Stewart is in a guard. Uh, so they're already shaking some things up on the offensive line. And that's a pretty high-profile shake-up to not even put Suk Chung on the 46. Uh, he's on the one... Maybe he really is injured. They put him on the one game. But uh, I didn't hear that there was any injury problem with Maybe I'm just spreading rumors. Uh, John White's not on the 46 either, but uh, they've got uh, Brandon Rutley on there. And, and maybe you can tell us, Charles, was Brandon Rutley the starter coming into the season? Him and White were back and forth. I think going into camp, I think most people gave an edge to Rutley. Um, but I think they were kind of planning to use both backs, and they kind of have. But I think if you were to go into the um, going into the season, I think Rutley was probably the favored to be the starter. I guess they're not giving up anything there. <laughs> Montreal's been pretty hot. They're they're five and two over the past seven games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that, that linebacker core of, of levels, Mwamba and Aki. Uh, it, it just continue to impress me. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye, so no advantage for either team there. But the, the Lions have to travel to Montreal. And, and everybody knows that's tough, especially if you're already struggling like the Lions have been. So I've got Montreal 26, BC 22. 26-22. It's interesting that everybody's score is actually close. They're all around the same. Um, we're hoping BC similar shows some numbers. Life, Pardon me? We're hoping we're hoping BC shows some life. Yeah. Well, to be fair, in their last game, they actually did play pretty well. They lost 13-10 to 10 to Hamilton in a that was probably maybe the best game the defense has played this year, and they just uh, 
had no finish on offense. So I'm hoping that they're going to be able to come up and um, actually get that finish that they've lacked. And getting the protection from Mike Riley would uh, go a long way in doing that. Um, the team defensively have been better since uh, Sean Lemon and David David Bernard arrived back. They've actually shown some semblance of a pass rush, which they didn't have for most of the early part of this season. Uh, and it's actually, I think Sean Lemon being back has actually rejuvenated Odell Willis because I think he's played better uh, since he came back. So there's that. Uh, and all in all, I, I do think that the Lions have shown improvement uh, over their last few games. I know they haven't won, but they've been closer. And they, ever since that one game at home against Saskatchewan where they got pretty much embarrassed, they've played better. They've been in all the games. Uh, haven't gotten the win, but they've been getting closer. And I think finally, the, I think they're going to break through here. Now they're playing the Eastern Division. Um Certainly, um, Montreal is not the gimme that most people would have called it at the beginning of this season. They were, they are um, have been a better football team, considerably better football team, in the last uh, you know six to eight weeks. So, uh, but I think the Lions they need to get a, a, a win here coming up. They just um, have been just haven't been able to pull pull one out, but. I think that's going to change. Got to change eventually. So, I am going to go with the Lions. I'm sure everybody's shocked. Their jaws are hitting the floor right now. Not, uh, but I am going to pick the Lions to win, and I think it's going to be right around the same uh, score range as everybody else. So, I'm going to pick the Lions to win this one, a close one. I'm going to say BC 27 and Montreal 24. Uh, I think maybe. Um, the Alouettes are due for a little bit of a setback, so I'll go 27-24. Hey, what was uh, Mark's score, Charles? Mark's pick. Mark, do you know what the score is? 23-17, I believe. Or 23-17, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's too bad, Charles, because if you'd have taken Montreal, we could have pretty much guessed CJ's score being one nothing for BC. I'm sure that's what it would have been, yeah. It still might be. You never know. We'll have to get that from him. So, yeah, but that's a, uh, yeah, I think that's a good one. So, 23-17, okay, so we've got three picking the Alouettes and one lonely dissenter, me picking the Lions. And I'm sure most people kind of figured that would be the case. All right, so it's time to move on. And I actually thought we had a um, all three of the games had rematches from last weekend, but that's not the case. Toronto will actually play Ottawa this week. Hamilton gets the bye. So game two is Toronto in Ottawa at the, whatever the TD place or whatever the hell they call that stadium. It was Lansdowne Park when I was growing up. But um, so TD place is where it's at. And, uh, yeah, so we've got the Argos going in there. The Argos have been a team that have been somewhat on the rise. I mean, they haven't been winning, but they've been playing better, and they were probably should have won a week ago uh, in Hamilton, but they didn't. They uh, blew a fourth-quarter lead. 
But they have been playing better as of late, which is something I cannot say for their uh, Ontario cousins in Ottawa. Um, so the they will play Ottawa uh, in Ottawa. Jonathan Jennings is going to get the start for the Red Blacks. Not that that seems to matter much these days, but uh, hey, we'll see what's going on here. We'll see if maybe the bye week has done them any good because they were on a bye this week too. Mark, what do you think? Toronto's in Ottawa. I know we're going to be talking about Jennings and Ottawa later on in the show, so I won't spend too much time on him. Mm-hmm. This this game is actually interesting that one of these teams gets a win. They can stay in, within sniffing distance of a crossover spot, of a playoff spot, of taking it away from the West. But somebody's got to start winning. It's kind of nice that one of these two teams will get a win. I just don't know if Ottawa has enough at quarterback, no matter who's in, unless they go to their third string. At this point, I think they should. But I just, I picture Toronto's D-backs having a field day with Jennings, unless he runs the ball more than throws. If he uses his feet more and just, gets yards instead of trying to force the ball downfield, which is when he gets in major trouble. Ottawa, if Ottawa can keep it close, Toronto with that fragile psyche they have of the fourth quarter, and their collapses. But they were one dropped touchdown pass away from winning. You know, yep. so... I'm still a whole flip a coin on this one. You know what? I'm going to say Toronto 28, Ottawa ooh, uh, 17. 28 17 sounds good. All right. 28 for who, Toronto. For Toronto. What's that? For Toronto. Yep. Okay. All right, Phil, you're up. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Well, I agree with Mark. This is a tough one to pick. Uh, a lot of interesting storylines going into this game, especially from the Toronto side that I noticed. Uh, you know, Daryl Walker had his coming out. Of course, he came out a long time ago, but he, he had his, his biggest game in 2019 here last weekend, uh, 203 yards receiving. And that's the most by an Argo since 1998 when Daryl Mitchell had 220 yards. Uh, McLeod Bessel-Thompson's hit 300 yards plus in six of his last eight starts. He has no interceptions in his last 178 pass attempts. So I'm starting to like Toronto more and more. Uh, speaking of this, uh, this is an opportunity for SJ Green to, he only needs 54 yards to move into the top 20 all-time passing or, or all-time receiving in the CFL. And interestingly, he would pass Rocky DiPietro. And I remember when Rocky DiPietro set the record in 1989, yep. uh, beating Tommy Joe Coffey's record. So we have, I know all of us here have been watching the CFL since 1989 uh, ferociously, and we've all 
had the opportunity to see the top 20 receivers to ever play in the CFL in the age of pretty good television. So that, that's, we've, we've been pretty fortunate, gentlemen. But like yeah. I said, this is a tough one, tough one for me to pick. And I'm not going to talk about Ottawa's woes at quarterback, like we're going to talk about later. The Argos have, have been improving so much in, in my mind. I, I've got uh, Toronto 29, Ottawa 25. That was Toronto 29, Ottawa 25? Yep. And I'd like to mention, I'm going against all the statistics on that. Uh, if, if you look back to the beginning of the 2018 season, teams coming off a bye week have won more than 70% of the time. And, of course, home teams win about 61% of the time. That's, that's just how strong I feel about the way Toronto is starting to look. Yep. All right. Well, how do you see this one playing out? Well, I don't care. I don't care. It's 70% win after the bye week, okay? Ottawa's starting Jonathan Jennings, okay? That says it all right there, okay? The word desperate has happened, and uh, Ottawa's pretty desperate. And I think Ottawa is going to be close to the bottom of the league by the end of the year. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a race between them and BC. So this game's not even going to be close. I'm going to pick Toronto. Uh, I'm going to pick Toronto 29 and Ottawa 8. 29 to 8. No love for Ottawa right now from anybody. And they're not going to get it from me either, by the way, because they've been dreadful right now. I know um, Toronto's got the one win, but let's face it. If you look at the last month, Toronto's played much better football than Ottawa has. Ottawa has been, quite frankly, a disaster uh, in the last uh, month, their quarterbacking, it doesn't matter who they put in right now, whether it's Jennings, whether it's, um, what's his face, uh, Dominic Davis. Uh, I don't know who they could put in, um, but right now, they are not going to get anything out of this as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think Ottawa, to me, Ottawa is the worst team in the league, playing the worst in the league right now. Um, even worse than the Lions, even worse than Toronto, because quite frankly, their offense is a joke. They can't move the ball. Yeah, Jennings had over 200 yards passing last last uh, game. Big deal. What did it get them? It didn't get them anything. That in a quarter will get you a phone call on a pay phone in 1973. Um, as for... Um, the um, Argos, they played better. you got to say they played better because even though they haven't won, they've been close. They should have won. They were a drop touchdown pass away from a win in Hamilton last week. And they were unfortunate probably not to win that game, and they played better in some of the previous games. And the way that the Bombers are, or the, the, um, 
um, Ticats are playing, or Jesus, who are they playing this week? They're playing the Red Blacks. They're just a disaster right now. Uh, I'm going to pick Toronto to win this one, and I'm going to say Toronto 31 and Ottawa 14. I think it's another blowout in this one. So, so no one's picking Ottawa. I can't be say I'm surprised because I think they're well. They're, them or the Lions are the worst teams in the league right now. Quite frankly, it's a it's a it's a turtle race between those two. Sorry, Charles. What was your score? Something it was uh, Toronto, Toronto 31, uh, Ottawa 14. Yeah. All right, so we got all the scores. Anyone else with anything to add in this game? Nope. I'll take that as a no. So let's move on now to the um, let's let's move on now to the um, uh, the two rematches now from last week. Uh, the first one is in Winnipeg in the IGF field. Uh, the Bombers are looking to get revenge uh, from last week's loss to the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Still no Matt Nichols. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. Still no Andrew Harris. This is game two of his two-game suspension. So they're still without probably their two big weapons on offense. Uh, coming home to Winnipeg to play the Riders, uh, who beat them pretty good last week. Um, but um, this could be an interesting one. I, a lot of times on the back-to-backs, the team that loses the first one usually has a chip on their shoulder, and they're able to break through and get the win back. But that doesn't always happen. Is it going to happen for your Bombers this weekend, Mark? Well, if Lapalise stays out of his own way and doesn't try to turn Strevler into a passing quarterback, which if they had done that last week in the first quarter, they probably would have won the game. But um, I do fully expect Winnipeg to win. This is a huge game. They're pissed off because they know they should have won the game. They gave it away on the final drive. They're pissed off. They're also pissed off at a somewhat dirty hit thrown on the long snapper on the first punt of the game. And for people to say, well, he's just a long snapper. My brother put it in an interesting way today. That long snapper is throwing a pass upside down 20 yards. It's not an easy thing to do. So the first punt of the game last week, they take him out. Not sure how long he's going to be out for because his head snapped pretty good on the ground. So this is a pissed off team. And hey, if Johnny Augustine has another game like he did last week, could Andrew Harris be trade big? wonder what we could get for him. <laughs> I highly, highly unlikely it's going to happen. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Because Augustine played well. He got over 100 all-purpose yards. That's what you got to expect out of a... That's more than you can expect out of a rookie first game. So, happy with him right now replacing. Our defense is going to have to come up huge again. Uh, the crowd noise will be on our side, which is going to help the defense a ton. The Bombers have actually been practicing on the defense yeah, with noise. 
with their defense out there practicing with noise. So that they're ready for it. And thanks to the green slime, uh, Winnipeg will have their first uh, sellout of the year. We've actually, they've over, sounds like they're overselling. They're expecting closer to 34,000, like 33.8 with me. Uh, capacity is 33.5, so that's kind of nice. Thanks for helping out the economy. You'll go home sad. Uh, I just think this game, the Bombers are too pissed off, and th- you'll see a different Strebler in that they'll be doing the running plays. I almost want them to come out in a wishbone offense. We all know it's going to be running. Just do a wishbone. It would be fun to watch. So I'm going to take Winnipeg... Oh, let's go 32, and Saskatchewan 20. 32 to 20. Interesting score. And the trade deadline isn't until October 9th. Hmm. You never know if Augustine goes off. You never know. I'd probably be willing to bet money it's not going to happen, but you never know. You don't want them to commit Harry Carey? <laughs> that would be the worst PR move in the history of the Bombers. Hell, if Wayne Gretzky can be traded, anybody can. Very true. All right, so so we've heard from our Bomber fans, so let's go on to our Ryder fan. I'm, he's probably going to have a different opinion. Let's find out. You think? <laughs> oh, man. Thought. If Mark gets to share a trade Andrew Harris joke, I, I have one too. Uh, this just in, Willie Jefferson is going to play both ways for the Bombers in the Banjo Bowl. Um, he's going to play uh, tight end and uh, defensive end. But our, this, I'm trying to start this rumor. I'm okay with that. He was a damn good receiver in college. He was. Yeah. But uh, I, I think this is the game of the week uh, for the second in the West for the second week in a row. I mean, it's first and second, two weeks in a row. You can't get anything better than that. Um, and it, it's always interesting to watch these back-to-back games for us fans. Uh, it's a real enjoyable opportunity to to get into the rosters and to get into the game planning and, and see what's going on. Hell, it's the Banjo Bowl. I mean, all bets are off. This is as exciting as it gets. Uh, and honestly, as far as picking this game, even with the the four – or five key injuries in Winnipeg. My head says Winnipeg, uh, but my heart says, well, you, you guys you guys know what my heart says. And uh, I think it's going to be a nice, another tight defensive game. The Bombers have the edge, but I, I believe the Riders have more options available to adjust their game plan than the Bombers do uh, with the personnel that they have, you know, particularly with, with Trevor, quarterback. So I've got the, I've got the Riders 29 Bombers 24. 29-24 Riders. Well, we've had the heard from the Bomber fan. He took the Bombers. We've heard from the Rider fan. He took the Riders. Will, you're somewhat neutral. What do you think? Yeah, have? but I'll but I'll but I'll never pick Saskatchewan. I was gonna say you I hate die. Saskatchewan. So you're not really neutral. Okay. So, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan could be 15-0, and 0 and I still wouldn't pick Saskatchewan, okay? I'd make some excuse. You know, I, I, 
I think Saskatchewan's overrated. And the reason I think they're overrated is they beat the Bombers by two points last week. And the Bombers didn't have a quarterback and they didn't have a running back, okay? And they only won by two points. So, and and Saskatchewan's vaunted defense wasn't that vaunted. So, I'm, uh, I still don't think Saskatchewan's that good. I don't think Cody Fajardo's that good. Um, I'm thinking the Bombers should just basically line Strevler and Augustine up in the backfield and then just direct snap the ball to them and let the Bombers offensive line just wreak havoc on everybody. So I, I know I wouldn't make it as a coach if I did that, but you know, the, the Bombers seemed a little annoyed this week. I, Mike, Mike uh, O'Shea had a bit of an edge in his press conferences this week. Of course, he wasn't saying anything about anybody. So, you know, um, what can I say? I, I heard an interesting, I heard an interesting uh, bit on a podcast this week. It was the Waggle, and it wasn't David Sanchez. It was someone else. And Mark, you know how 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 Mike O'Shea never tells you about player injuries. It was. This guy had quite an interesting point. He said, you know, we're all sitting watching TV and we see where the guy got hurt and we know he's got an ankle injury, but all Mike O'Shea will say is lower body. And I don't know if he's going to, I'm not sure if he's going to, well, I'm not going to tell you if he's going to play. The roster's coming pretty quick. So what a dork. I just think he's a dork. (laughs) That's just my opinion. Anyway, check the film. Huh? What was that? He's effective at it. Oh yeah, big time. And I'm and the scariest thing is I'm used to it now. Okay, what? Why do they have press conferences? They're never. He's never going to give them anything. It's even so, better when there's Miller, Walters, and O'Shea at a press conference. You might as well put the Maxwell smirk on the silence down. Yeah. Nothing. Anyways, anyways, I'm going to pick the Bombers this week, and I'm going to go. It's going to be another scintillating game like last week, and it's going to be uh, 16 for the Bombers and 12 for Saskatchewan. A low-scoring one. Well, I guess that brings it to me. And this was a tough one because I honestly favor the team that lost the first half of a a back-to-back. I always do because I always think that team has that little bit of edge. But it also bothers me because the Bombers still don't have Andrew Harris. They still don't have Matt Nichols. And had they had both of those guys, I'd probably be picking the Bombers. But I just don't know if they have enough to get by the Riders. I mean, I know Johnny Augustine had a good game last week, a very good game last week, but it still wasn't enough. And is he going to be able to turn in the same performance that he did a week ago? I'm not so sure about that. He's a good running back. Maybe he can. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying I'm not sure that he will. 
So it's this is a tough one. Um, I think it's a tough one um, to call because I think um, it it's going to be a close one. Uh, these two teams, the Bombers really want this game because they want to um, keep their distance between the Bombers or uh, um, keep their distance from the Riders. And the Riders, well, it's no secret why they want it, because they um, have the chance to go move up into a tie with the Bombers. So that's a big motivation there. Uh, they're playing in Winnipeg. Uh, so maybe you got uh, a bit of a, a home field advantage there for the Bombers. But I don't know what, uh, and I'm not a huge Rider fan, as everybody knows. I think the Riders are going to beat them again. I do. Just because I think they've got a little more, especially without with the Bombers being without Harrison Nichols. Like I said, if those guys are playing, I'm, I'd be picking them. They're not playing, and I'm just not convinced they can get by them without. So I'm going to pick the Bombers. I think it's going to – or excuse me. I'm going to pick the Riders. I think it's going to be a close game. But I think the Riders are going to pull it out. Uh, and I'm going to say uh, Riders uh, 21-18. I think it's a lower-scoring game. I think it's a a close one, but I think it's still going to be a, a Rider victory. I don't know why. I just feel that. So, All right. Any more comments on this one? I did forget to mention that... Um our resident English fan is flying in for the game. Oh, okay. From England. What was his name? Uh, I think I remember. I can't remember. We're supposed to meet up with him. He's going to try to come by our tailgate. So that could be a lot of fun. Yep. The guy's That's flying all the way from. And, he's flying and from then England then, for a football game. And Mark, Mark, maybe you have an answer to this question. When when Chase Danewich is driving to the game, will he be wear, will he be wearing a shirt or not? Chase probably not. Okay, he won't and have the lot down on the convertible. Is that something that he does a lot? Is is that what you're telling me? A fair bit. Yes. Okay. Um, is that a Winnipeg thing or what is that? No, that's a Chase Sandwich thing. Okay. Okay. Just wondering, that's all. And and have you heard, is Todd Bogey back in town yet, or is he still in Moosefin? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's back. He made it back alive. Okay, good. Yeah, they all good, made, good, good. somehow they all made it back. Okay. I, I want you to go on that news, that road trip next year, Mark, and, and report on it, okay? Um, I got two words for that one. Well, fuck no. No. <laughs> no. Fuck no. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. At least we're not going to get any pictures this week of uh, Jared and Todd snuggling in bed. I, that I'm still trying to get rid of those images from last week. So, for I hope we well. don't get any more of those. Uh, the tailgate starts at 10:30 in the morning, guys. So who knows what kind of pictures you're gonna get? And the games are uh, games at one time. Three. 
three. Oh, we're going to be there at ten thirty. Are these guys going to be able to find the stadium at this point? Oh, they're fully going to be eating from ten thirty on. Oh Jesus! Cooking and eating. Oh, I need to go to Winnipeg. Um, yeah. Pizza, wings, nachos. It's going to be all kinds of stuff. Hey, and Mark, are you guys close to the stadium at your tailgate or not? Yeah, five minute walk. Oh, okay. Not bad, yeah. so there is nice and close. No. Yeah. yeah. There's tailgating surrounding the entire stadium. Mm-hmm. And it's something we don't get here in Vancouver. They don't get they it. just get a big parking either. bill. Stupid. They don't get it in Saskatchewan either. You get put into a park with a bunch of Pilsner. Well, well they love that. They're, they're probably just fine with that, though. No, they hate it as much as we do. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Pilsner there. I think that would satisfy all of them. As long as there's Pilsner there, they're good. <laughs> I, I think in Saskatchewan, they're kind of shifting to try to... And, and it's been this way for a long time. It's, uh, it's At one time, the riders ran it, and now it's kind of shifting to charities running the tailgating. So you go yeah. and pay for your yeah. burgers, and, and uh, it's a little different system, and, and maybe not quite as wild. Nowhere near as well. I'm surprised that... And nowhere near as good food. I'm surprised Saskatchewan doesn't have real tailgating. Why is that? Me too. They don't even have parking. Uh, That's the biggest bone of contention with the new stadium I've got is uh, they're they're trying to go to this system of uh, using public transit to get to the stadium. There there isn't near enough parking for the fans that arrive there. I'm I'm really upset about it. You know, when you consider that in Western Canada, land is dirt cheap, and there's there's just no reason for it uh, for not having parking near the stadium. They could they could have even used the existing parking at Old Taylor Field, and well, it's, and it's only a five minute walk. And Phil, what percentage? Do you know? I don't know if you have numbers on this. What percentage of Ryder fans come from outside of Regina? Oh, it's hot. You go to games. It's hot. It's very hot. Okay. And so how so the people hell are do taking, they take public transportation? So what is happening is those fans take a 20 or 30-minute walk from somewhere towards the downtown core. And I, okay. I've only been to one game in the new stadium, and that, that's what I did. I took a 20-minute 20, 20 walk from uh, down on Saskatchewan Drive, and uh, I parked somewhere where my buddy said, yeah, we park here every time we don't get in trouble. No problem. And uh, yeah. basically parked in commercial, you know, in a, in a commercial parking lot. Yeah. Or you park in somebody's front yard. Yeah. 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 Still lots of that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's what makes uh, going to a football game. That's what makes foot, going to a football game in the CFL so interesting and either, especially in Hamilton, Winnipeg, or Saskatchewan, is uh, – getting to park in a seedy neighborhood and walk into the stadium. Hey, our bus trips, we park at Wayne's World. We're okay with that. If you ever get to a rider game, we'll go to Wayne's World. What the hell is Wayne's World? What's Wayne's World? It is this guy owns a house right across from old Taylor Field. Got a big backyard. And he always felt bad that Bomber fans had nowhere to party for the 
Labor Day games and stuff. So he lets all the Bomber fans come to his backyard and party. And his name is Wayne, and they call it Wayne's World. It is a blast. Hmm. Wow. And he's but not a young like, man either. But guys like Todd Mogi probably didn't go there, right? Oh, yeah. No, as far as I know, they all went. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've walked by and seen it and wondered what the hell was going on there. Huh. Oh, it's a great party. He sits there with his rider jersey on. And we have a blast. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it's funny what the pretty much hate you read on the football pages between rider and bomber fans. But you put us together, everybody just gets drunk and has a good get time. Along. Oh, we get along great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good. All right, so we've gone through that one, so it's on to the final game of the weekend. Another rematch from last week in the Battle of Alberta with the Calgary Stampeders heading to Commonwealth in Edmonton to take on the Edmonton Eskimos. Calgary won last week and beat them pretty soundly. Was it 25-9 to was the final in this game? And the, we're going to talk more about Jason Moss is coming up a little bit later too. But if you remember a week, or a couple of weeks, either a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, there was that article saying that the Eskimos uh, they haven't beaten anybody. And the more further we go along, the further that rings true. So we got Calgary and Edmonton. So we'll let Will or Stampeder fan. Um, let us know what he thinks this game is going to go um, this weekend. Well, you know, I rewatched the Calgary game last night. I was going to do the podcast, but we weren't on last night, so I needed something to do. So I decided I hadn't watched the Calgary game. And I watched the Calgary game, and the two places Calgary dominated the most in my mind um, in that game was on the offensive and defensive line. And I mean, the offensive line basically ate Edmonton for lunch, which is really strange because Edmonton has a great defensive line. And I mean, they hardly, they didn't even get close to Bo Levi. And Kadeem Carey got 143 yards rushing. So. Um, I'm thinking Edmonton defensive line is going to have a real, real big chip on their shoulder. And and I'm a little scared, but there's that. Phil's always coming with up amazing, with amazing stats. Here's my amazing stats. Uh, Trevor Harris has never beat Calgary. He's never beat Calgary. He's he's got two ties against them, and he's lost every other game he's ever played against them. So, I'm wondering why this would be different. I was going to say the Grey Cup, but that was uh, Henry Burris. That was Henry Burris. That is correct. He has never beat Calgary. They were saying that on another podcast today, which is which is pretty amazing. And I'm thinking, 
I wonder if Edmonton thought about that when they were signing him. Because who's their biggest foe usually in the West? It would be Calgary, and they've yeah. never he's never beat Calgary. So, but on the other hand, you can say odds are that he will beat Calgary. But you know what? I think a lot of a lot of different things happened in that game last week, and Calgary looked different than they have all year. And you know, I know Christopher would be saying that. Any quarterback can play for Calgary, yada, 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 yada. But I think Bo Levi Mitchell brings a leadership in there that I think he is the leader of that team, and he makes a huge difference because they played differently than they have all year without him. So I'm uh, thinking what I'm thinking is I I think Calgary's a good team. I want Calgary to show me they're a good team again. So I'm going to pick Calgary, of course. And uh, I'm going to say Calgary, let's go Calgary 24, Edmonton 10. Twenty-four ten Calgary. <coughs> yes, sir. Okay. Phil, Stampeders and Eskimos in the second half of a back-to-back. How do you see this playing out? Well, I agree with Will that Bo Levi makes the Stamps a different team. Quite frankly, the Stampeders scare the hell out of me right now. Um, Will also made a great point earlier that in order for the Stamps to to win the West, they might have to run the table, but I disagree there a little bit, but I'll go, I'll go back to that. There's a very good story on CFL.ca this week uh, where they brought back the simulator for 2019, which they do every year after Labor Day for the last couple of years. The computer says that the Stamps now have only a 1.26% chance, 1.26% chance of winning the West. That contrasts with, with the Riders, at more than 49%, and the Bombers at more than 38%. Let's be honest, gentlemen. Much like climate simulators, this one looks severely flawed to me. Um, I give the Stampeders a lot better chance than 1.26% to win the West. Uh, That said, uh, I can't say much about the Eskimos. I, I talked a lot about them on Monday, the, the heat is on, on Jason Moss right now in a town where, where football really matters. And uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm going to be tuning into this one with a lot of interest for sure. And But I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Stamps at 26 to 19. Well, 6 19 Stamps. Stamps, so that's two for two for the Stamps. Mark, are you going to make it three for three? Yeah, I'm making this one three for three. Um, It is very correct that they are a different team with Bo Levi Mitchell. I think the offense especially plays with no fear when Mitchell is at quarterback. I'm not saying they played scared or anything when Arbuckle was there, but your confidence level as a receiver or as an offensive lineman is a little higher 
when it's Bo Levi Mitchell, a quarterback. Arbuckle did everything asked for him and more. He kept them over 500. He kept them within distance of first and second place. He did his job. And Mitchell's back. He looked fine. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll see Harris have a little bit better of a game because of the way he goes back and forth. So he'll be back up to his 320, 330 yards passing. But I will give him more points because they'll just get more field goals, I think, this time. And Calgary, again, is just going to walk away later in the game. Calgary is just a better team than Edmonton right now. There's no like, Everybody is saying Saskatchewan is the hottest team in the CFL, and they are on their record. But right now, I'd rather be playing Saskatchewan than Calgary. doesn't matter what team I am. With Bo Levi Mitchell going full bore, they seem to have found a running back last week that can chew up yards, not just get the quick ones. With a healthy receiving core, which you don't hear that very often coming out of Calgary. Nope. <laughs> it's. I'm going to give this one, oh, I don't think it'll be all that close. I'm going to say 32, and I'll give them, I'll give them five field goals, 32-15. <laughs> yep, the shine has come off of the Eskimos, that's for sure. All right, well, that's uh, three people have gone, three people picking stamps. I'm going to make it four, quite frankly, because uh, I'm sorry, I'm not buying the Eskimos anymore uh, as a, a top-level um, as a top-level team. I just don't see it because, quite frankly, ever since um, I read that article a few weeks ago, and you go back and you look, any time they've played a, a half-decent team, they've folded like a cheap suit. Um, yeah, they beat the bottom feeders. They beat Montreal when they were playing, uh, well, first first game of the year when they were kind of a, in turmoil after their coach quit right before the season, or the coach was let go right before the season. But, I mean, they, they're struggling to play good football. They're struggling to score points. And uh, like Will said, their offensive line got eaten alive by the Stampeders last week. And I don't know, I'm not sold on Trevor Harris. I'm still not at this point. We always talk about good Trevor Harris and bad Trevor Harris. We talked about that a lot last season when he was in Ottawa. It looked like he had kind of disappeared a little bit in the early part of the year in Ottawa, early part of the year in Edmonton. But he's kind of come back with a vengeance over the last little while. Their, their offense is really struggling, and their defense is struggling to keep points off the board. So um, I have to pick the Stampeders, too. I just, right now, they it was a very evidently better team and a more energized team with Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback. You can't really deny that. You, it was very obvious that with him back, they had something different. They had another level that they just didn't have an Arbuckle in. Not a slight to Arbuckle because he did a very admirable job while Mitchell was injured. And I think this Calgary team, while they were good last week, I think they're going to get better too because uh, 
they, I don't think, have played nearly their best football this season. And I still think there is definite room for improvement there for, for the Stampeders, which I just don't see in Edmonton. So I think that uh, Edmonton wins this one, or excuse me, Calgary wins this one again. Uh, I'm not sure how close it's going to be. I'm not sure it's going to be that close. Uh, I'm going to p- pick uh, Calgary to win that one 35-15. to 15. I'm just seeing we've lost Will, it looks like. Yes, so we'll call him back. Yep, yeah, we'll call him back. Yeah, so 35-15. I tried to put him in a screening room, and it didn't work. Well, excuse the ringing, folks. Hello, I'm back. Uh, all right, we got Will back. Very good. So you probably didn't hear... But I picked. Uh, yeah, I was Stamp- listening. I was listening. Okay. I was listening. Yeah, it was uh, twenty. Uh, I got thirty-five. 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 Fifteen, 30, uh, 35, 15 for um, Calgary. Yep. So we'll see. Now we're going to see CJ pick Edmonton one nothing. Oh yeah. 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 That's a given. You can pretty much mark that down already. Yep. All right. Uh, anything more on the four games uh, this weekend? I got one thing to add about uh, the Calgary Sound Peters and Bo Levi Mitchell. We've been blowing a lot All of right. smoke up his butt here, and and I think rightly so. If you guys remember, early in the fourth quarter, uh, with Sound Peters up twenty-five to nine, I developed a new healthy respect for the field general qualities of Bo Levi Mitchell. Dean Carey ran for four yards and was tackled. And when he went to the ground, he held the ball out with one arm in, in kind of a, a, a situation that could have led to a fumble. And uh, it was a mic'd up game. And you could hear as they came back to the huddle, Bolivai was yelling, Kareem, Kareem. And Kareem was chatting amicably with the linebacker that tackled him and Kadeem, you could hear him say something like, oh no, 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 it's just amical. And he goes, no, 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 I'm talking about the ball. You you can't hang the ball out there like that. And they're up 25-9 and and it was like about about their 45-yard line. If there had been a turnover at that point early in the fourth quarter, it it could have given the Edmonton Eskimos a real start to come back Mm -hmm. into that game because, you know, even late in the game, they, they had they had time to make two drives. They were down two scores. Now imagine if there had been a turnover at that point. And the way he, he, he sort of dressed down his running back, in, in, and, and, and I, he didn't browbeat him, but he, he dressed him down by the way he, because of the way he handled the ball. Uh, not only has he uh, got control of the huddle, but he has control of that whole offense. And, and like I said, I, I gained a lot of respect for for his control of the whole offense when when I seen that that happen. Uh, maybe you guys remember remember that play? I uh, uh, usually listen to the, I usually watch the game without the sound, Phil. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, yeah. it, it's worth a watch anyway. It's worth a watch, oh, yeah. and, uh, and and when he's explaining to Kadeem exactly what he should be doing with the. You know, 
what he had done wrong, and uh, and how you know, and how was such a critical and pivotal point in in the football game. And it was really good to see. It's something you want to see out of your quarterback. Well, and and you know what, Stampeders have always been a team that has, and I'm sure other teams do it, but Stampeders have always been a team that stresses details. And they talk about the Mm -hmm. small details all the time. And they talk about trying to get better all the time. And I guess that's just part of it. So. (laughs) Well, as I thought about it, and I thought, you know, 90% of the quarterbacks will never get away with that. But, but. Well, Levi has the respect of his offense to be able to to say that. They realize he is the field general out there, and uh, and he knows he's the field general out there, and he knows what needs to be said. And you know, like Cody Fajardo in his young career, I don't think he, I don't think you would hear him say the same thing to say a William Powell right now. Well, then I, and I think part of it is Bo's been around for a long time now, and I mean, if you guys remember correctly. Last year, the Stampeders got rid of lots of veteran players, um, and some guys had to take over leadership roles, and I think Bo yeah. was one of them. So, well, I think for sure, because to me, it was very noticeable on last week's game uh, that they just had a different. There was something different about them that we hadn't seen this year with Bo Levi yep. out. Will I thought it was still do his radio show. Noticeable. What was that? Does he still do his radio show, Mitchell? Yeah, but it's sporadic for some reason. Like, some weeks yes, and then other weeks no. So. Because he stayed on Twitter, I'll give him that. I've never listened to his show, but suddenly I'm interested. Um, His show is is a lot of... It's not bad. He actually lets... uh, Let's people call in him and ask him real football questions. That's one of the things he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are quite interesting answers. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, once again, I've always believed that when you're a quarterback, you have to have lots of confidence. And some people, some people mistreated that or say he's very cocky. I call it. There's a fine line between cocky and confident. But I think with Bo Levi Mitchell, I think he is probably one of the most competitive guys around, and he lives to win. Okay? And I think that shows. I think that shows. And, I mean, maybe everybody was excited because he was back after eight or nine weeks, right? I'm hoping yeah. they keep that up. I'm hoping they keep that up. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the see. test to see if it uh, if it continues or if it wears off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I think we've gone through the uh, all four games here. Uh, some should be some interesting games ahead this weekend. I think. So we're good there, so we shall move on. Let's talk CFL. 
Okay, moving on to segment five. Edmonton Eskimos coach Jason Moss is taking a lot of heat after the Labor Day uh, loss to Calgary. Is he on his last chance in Edmonton? Uh, if they don't do anything this year, is he is his is his days done in Edmonton? What do you think? Will, what do you think? Is he is he this Jason Moss's last chance? You know, there's a lot worse coaches out there, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take Eastern coaches, like, I mean, most of them keep their jobs with real crappy records. Um, but one of the things that bothers me the most this year about, about uh, Jason Moss is they lost a lot of players, but they also replaced players with, in my mind, good quality replacements. I mean, they've got they've got uh, Larry Dean, and they've got uh, Trevor Harris. As much as we want to say about him, he is still a top quarterback in the CFL. They got him Greg Ellingson, and all kinds of stuff like that. And they're still not winning, and they're still not scoring touchdowns. So I guess that's got to go to a Jason Moss. But I've always, one of the things I've I really found curious this year, and we've talked about this before, is one of the things that struck me the most odd on Labor Day was uh, uh, Calgary's assistant coach. He played for Edmonton last year. What's his name? Come on, the linebacker. I forget names all the time. Come on. Who is he? For linebacker for Calgary? Edmonton's middle linebacker last year. Oh, um... You want to say Gas? No. What's his name? Not oh, my God. Gas. No, I'm he won that too, Will. He won the defensive MOP with Edmonton yes. about yep. five years ago. God, what's his name? I got to look now, sorry. Talk while yeah, I look. I, I know who you're talking about. Um... Uh, you're not talking crimes, are you? And no. Grimes, no. No. No, no, he's a coach now, Mark. Oh, Linebacker. Um, J.C. Sherrick. Thank uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this strikes me as really odd, and I don't know if it's an overall problem with the Edmonton organization, but this guy signed with Calgary as a coach, a guy who was a career Edmonton Eskimo. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they hold on to that guy? I remember we talked about that at the time too. Right, and you know, even even, and I and I wonder if the BC Lions are going that way too. Because one of the things that really shocked me when David Benefield was on was he said he doesn't feel like he's part of the Lions, and he played for the Lions for the most of his career, and he was one of their best players. How does that happen? You know, because these guys, these guys bring tradition to organizations, okay, and they know what it meant to win with these organizations. And it's funny that they would let them go to other teams. It really is. There's always the risk of uh, of gentlemen that might be critical of of the new regime and 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 current or new regimes being self conscious and low self-esteem 
around these guys. And I've, we've seen it in Saskatchewan, in, in not recently, but you know, a decade ago and a little more, where they would chase away some of these guys because they didn't want them around the players uh, because they were controversial and, and and possibly critical of the regime. Yeah, but on the other hand, I'm thinking J.C. Sherritt probably knows the Edmonton Eskimos inside, outside, and backwards. And why would you let that knowledge run away to one of your your biggest CFL rival? And I know they can change things, but football is football. Okay? And he would know tendencies... Right, he would know tendencies of defenses and and all of that stuff. So, but yeah, Jason Moss, I guess if anybody's going to be a scapegoat this year, it'll be him. Especially if they uh, continue to play shitty, because I think, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, I think they have to play Saskatchewan two more times this year. Yeah. Okay, and that's not a good thing for them. No. And, you know, that just brings to mind what you mentioned there, that the combination of J.C. Sherrod and Corey Greenwood, both uh-huh. shifting to to the Stampeders in the offseason, really... Well, uh, Corey Greenwood was here before that, so... Oh, oh he was, was he there last year, too? Yes, he was. Oh, I didn't... He didn't play... He, he didn't right. play much. He was injured most of the year. But uh, just just a year prior, he was with the Eskimos as well. And that combination has certainly got to give that defense a leg up. Uh, you know that that all of a sudden elevates J.C. Sherrick from being a rookie coach to being a very important rookie coach. Well, and I mean, didn't you guys? And I heard it on a podcast this week. Didn't you guys see the Stampeders with those big? Uh, those big pieces of cardboard or whatever they were behind everybody's back when they were calling defensive calls. Yeah. Yep. 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 And according to this podcast, JC Sherrod had told them Edmonton used to do that all the time to them. They'd have spotters up in the stands reading their, reading their defensive calls. I found that so, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Mind you, most of these football coaches wear tinfoil hats because they think everybody is trying to get a leg up on them and doing illegal things, okay? So, hard to say. But, yeah, I would say this is probably Jason Moss's last kick at the can. So, which is not looking too good for him. But I do believe that if he uh, loses his job tomorrow, he gets hired within two weeks. Yep. Mark, what do you think? Do you think uh, Jason Moss is at uh, his uh, last opportunity here in Edmonton? Yeah, he's going to last the year because, yeah, they're starting to fall out of any sort of contention in the West. But they are still going to make the playoffs. Right now they have a, a three-game lead on Ottawa. So they do have a good shot at at least making the playoffs over in the crossover, which is an improvement from last year because they missed the playoffs. So it is an improvement. 
Will he be fired in the off season? I think they pretty much have to at this point. It's, you, the fans are starting to scream about firing him. You don't want to lose the fans. They've already, like everybody else, their numbers are low. So you don't want to lose your hardcore fans because you're keeping this guy out of loyalty or something. I just think he makes really bad decisions at really crucial times. He still lets his temper get away. He has been a lot better this year at that, but you can still see he's just seething on the sidelines at times. It's like O'Shea. When O'Shea first started, he made mistakes all the time. I'm the first one to call him out when he makes a mistake. But he has cleaned up a lot of those. Moss hasn't. He still makes the same crucial mistakes. So I think it is that he's done. I think he's, it's, he will get hired fast. I wouldn't be surprised if next year he's in Ottawa. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. And they have a new – how long has the GM been in Edmonton? Since last year when Herbie went over? Yeah. Who is the GM there? It is, uh, he's the guy from Ottawa. Yeah, Sunderland. Okay. So – He's going to want to bring in his own guy anyway. Maybe you'll see a swap and you'll see uh, Dickinson, or sorry, not Dickinson, you'll see the Ottawa coach head over. There, I think that's easily something that could happen. And Sunderland does get to bring in his own head coach. So Moss will be the first one fired. But I don't think it'll be until the offseason. Because of the crossover, there's always a chance. It's slim, but there's always a chance. Because we're not talking about this if they go to the crossover and win the Grey Cup. We're not talking about this next year. So, that's it. No, that's true, yep. All right, uh, what, do you th- what are your thoughts, um, Phil? What do you think? Um, uh, do you think this is basically his last uh, go out in Edmonton? Well, that's that's interesting, Mark. You know uh, about the Brock Sunderland thing in Edmonton. I hadn't thought of that. I was going to say no. This would not be his last season in Edmonton. I was going to say that he's actually impressed me more in the first half of the season than he ever has, and that he's grown as a coach. Uh, Jason Moss, I'm speaking of. Uh, but uh, with Brock Sunderland being there, and and that theory that you brought up, Mark, that is very, very interesting, uh, especially as we all know that it doesn't look like Ottawa is going to have a successful season. The, the other thing, though, to mention is uh, just look at, at Edmonton's record. It's not that terrible yet, right? Uh, and they are playing in the very competitive Western Division. And they still have an opportunity to, uh, you know, they, they, could, they could finish second, or first in the, in, in the Western Division. There's not that big a stretch. They've won six games. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won eight games. Um, so I, I don't think it's panic time yet uh, to talk about that. Uh, you know, they're going into a tough game this weekend. I, I don't know what the rest of their, record or rest, rest of their schedule involves, but uh, I think this would be a good conversation for uh, maybe two weeks from now. 
but but right now I think it's too early to for me to call that. That's all I got. I was actually surprised last season that Jason Moss survived because after missing the playoffs last season, I thought uh, he was going to be in some trouble because I don't think that uh, they had high expectations going into last season and they weren't able to uh, follow through on it. Um, Having said that, if they... uh, miss the playoffs, well, they're probably not going to miss the playoffs, but if they go out, they get the crossover and go out first round, i got to think his days are numbered in Edmonton. Um, people are not going to be uh, all that thrilled with him coming back. I mean, he's get, been given the tools. He had Mike Riley last year. He had um, uh, he had Mike Riley last year. He had um, uh, Trevor Harris this year. And quite frankly, he is not getting it done. And I've never been sold on him as a head coach. Uh, I also, um, I don't think he has the temperament. He he loses his temper and flies off the handle far too much. I mean, I know that happens with officials uh, from time, or, or with coaches from time to time. All coaches happen. But every time they show him, it looks like he's having a meltdown. He's always pissed off at something, no matter what. And uh, that rubs off on a team, I I believe. And so I don't think, I think it's kind of foolish, um, not foolish, but I just, I can't see them bringing him back. It just doesn't make any sense to me at this point. If he has no success this week or this season, uh, I think they got to go in a different direction because he's he's had long enough time here. He's had talented players and just hasn't been able to do anything with them. So uh, I think he's gone after this year, personally. That's my opinion, anyways. You know, the other thing I was going to mention is, what week is this? Is this week 12? I believe so, yeah. Okay, so they have what? They have uh, another six games, right? Yes. I was just looking at Edmonton's schedule. They play Calgary this weekend. Then they play Hamilton, Ottawa, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. They're they're going to be in tough. They really are. Yep. Yeah, they do not have a favorable favorable schedule down the stretch at all. Not at all. Yep. Of course, we don't know yet how they're going to match up against Hamilton or Saskatchewan with no previous reference. That's true. Um, Their defensive line was was their strength early in the season. You know, the Riders, I, I talk a lot about how great this young offensive line has been, but if you count up how many starts those two young guards have, in their career, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the strengths of the, uh, the Eskimos' defensive line is 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 come, also comes from their interior, and um, you never know they they might give the Riders some trouble. Uh, I just I'm trying to remember the guards from from Hamilton. It's just not coming to mind, but uh, they may have some schemes that 
that those two teams could have trouble with. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who's. Well, what, who's I, what I'm what I'm looking what I'm looking at right now is is the two the four the two teams Saskatchewan and and uh, Hamilton. Number one, their records, and it is after Labor Day, and I think it gets. I think it's it gets easier to pick games after Labor Day, to be honest with you, because the teams that are there are the teams that are there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's true. All right. Anyone got anything else left to say on Jason Moss? Or should we move on? He's got big ears. That is true. And he likes to yell. <laughs> All right, so having said that, let's move on to the uh, next segment. Uh, so the Ottawa Red Blacks, speaking of teams that are struggling, uh, their quarterback carousel continues, and they're back to Jonathan Jennings as their starter. Does it make any difference at this point who they start Mark, does it make any difference? It hasn't so far. Jonathan Jennings has been Jonathan Jennings when he played. Uh, We've seen Dominic Davis, who started as looking like an amazing top-end quarterback, and that fizzled after two games. I think at this point, you give Jennings this start, but at the end of the first half, if they're if he's str- struggling, put him the third string. See if he's got something. You have to do something to try to get a win. And going back and forth between the two quarterbacks that they are, they're junk. You put their stats together, they're still junk. Mm-hmm. So try this Will Arndt. I looked him up real quick. He is 8 of 18 in, as a um, quarterback. That sounds pretty decent compared to Dominic Davis, doesn't it? Give it a try. Maybe he's got something. Well, let's face it. It can't be any worse. Saskatchewan gave it a try with Fiardo. Where are they? Yep. Calgary gave it a try. They were forced to, but as so Ottawa should be at this point. Calgary gave it a try with Arbuckle. He succeeded. Hamilton's doing it with Dane Evans. Hell, even Strevler's one and one. Try it. Nobody's got game film on this guy. Who knows? It's got to be better than what they have. Because what they have is nothing right now. You know, Jennings has, I guess, looked the better of the two, if you had to compare them. He also hasn't played as much. <laughs> it's, That's it's a not saying much of all. No, it's not. It, it's a mess. They need to figure a way out of it. There are a ton of free agent quarterbacks at the end of the year, so I don't know if they're just gonna they're just gonna say, okay, we'll ride it out with what we have, 
release them in the off season, then we don't owe anything on the contract. Let's face it, the CFL with quarterbacks, you have to do that for money because it's not like Jennings is getting paid a low amount of money. He's making decent coin. Davis will be making decent coin. Mm-hmm. With all the free agents coming out, you might as well throw your hat in. But at this point with the season, go with the third string. There's no point. You're not going to win games with these two guys as your quarterback. Throw the third string guy to the wolves and see if he can do something. Mm-hmm. Can't do any worse. Yep. That's it, really it. It's yep. at this point I would blow it up and try the third string. Phil, what do you think about the Ottawa quarterbacking uh, situation? What would you do? I wish I could tell you I knew what to do there. I I have not a clue. And and somebody made a great point there. Look, the Riders tried it with Cody Fajardo, or were first to try it. And and you just don't know until you see a guy. And I got to see Will Arndt play last year, so that I'm pretty sure all his snaps were against the Riders. I, I was trying to research it, but I, I couldn't find it. And, uh, and I, I remember thinking that – the 18 passes he threw were uh, impre- he did something to impress me because I never forgot him. And, and much like Dom Davis the year before in uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, so, and I, if I remember right, Will Arndt is also a little bit of a runner, a little bit like a Chris Traveler. Yeah, took off a few times, and I think I couldn't find his rushing yards, but I think he got some rushing yards in that game and and gave me a scare for some reason. But uh, right now, I I think he, we've he, they got to continue going with Jennings, and uh, you know he he looked a lot better the last time out, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with so many people picking Toronto on the road at uh, a one and eight or one and nine team to win this game. You know, even even the even the pros at CFL.ca and and TSN are 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 about 50-60% picking Toronto on the road to win. So uh, there isn't uh, much for him to lose, and uh, he's not as much is expected of him. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Jennings got back on track th- this coming weekend. That's all I got. Will, what do you think? You know what we we see this we see this every year in the CFL. If you don't have a good established quarterback or a guy who's got an upside to him or he's coming up, you're not going to win football games. And we should have seen this in the beginning of the year. I I gave Dom Davis the benefit of the doubt because I've seen him play and I thought he had some talent, but obviously. He doesn't have that much talent. Mind you, it could be the system he's in. You never know. So I wouldn't say he's not talented, but it's not working in Ottawa. I don't think Jonathan Jennings is the answer. I think Ottawa is is on a big downward trend, and the only reason because of, is it, of it is because of their quarterback situation. And next year they got to find a quarterback. And whether that's a... Uh, that's, uh, uh, 
you know, on Nick Arbuckle out of Calgary or the guy in Hamilton, if if they even sign Mazzoli, or maybe it's Mazzoli himself. You never know. But I think Ottawa is in desperate need for a quarterback. And what do they do for the rest of the year? I'd say give Will Arndt, or Arndt a chance because they're not doing it. They're just not doing it. And this is crunch time. And I got a feeling they're going they're going down the shitter big time. That's about it. Yeah, I really can't disagree with what anyone says. Quite a, the the um, they've been garbage, quite frankly. Uh, not to be insulting, but you got to call it what it is. They've been horrible. They have had no um, no real sustained offense. Dominic Davis had those two good games right off the bat, and then just the the bottom fell out. They've tried Jennings before. He's uh, gotten no productions. Um, he's been interceptions. It's, it's, it's just a bad situation. Let's face it. Neither one of these guys is um, the future of the quarterbacking in Ottawa. They've got to go out and they've got to find themselves a new quarterback, someone with some potential, whether it be a young guy or not, because these two guys are going to take them exactly nowhere. So they've got to go out and they've got to find some guy that they can rely on or or they can build with because these guys aren't the answer. Let's face it. These guys are going nowhere fast. And I, like I asked, does it matter at this point? No, because neither one of them have shown any real potential uh, this season that either one of them are ready for the full-time starter's job. So right now I just don't see that uh, either one of them is a viable option for the future for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, will they have? Can they have good games here and there? Sure, any quarterback can. But are we going to see either Davis or Jennings put five, six, seven really good games in a row together? I can't see it because, quite frankly, I haven't seen it to this point. So I, I personally don't see it. Uh Anything to add for anybody on this topic, the two quarterbacks? No, I think we've trashed Ottawa enough. Ah, why? Okay. All right, you're right. You know what? The the one thing is, I'd love to see Jennings go out and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Mm Mm-hmm. And do it for two or three games. I really would. I'd have no issues with being... I'd I'd put up the plate of crow to eat. I really mm-hmm. would. I want to see all the teams do well. I just don't know what happened to him because he uh, in 2016 when he took over basically as the starter, he looked so good in so many games that year. And I remember the one uh, playoff game against Winnipeg where he pretty much led the team back in the fourth quarter to take a, a playoff one away, a game that it looked like Winnipeg had all sewn up, and uh, he really yep. uh, brought the team back. And ever since then, it's just been nothing. Um, 
I just don't understand it. I don't know if it's really uh, – uh, to, to me, Jonathan Jennings is not – I think physically he's got the tools. It's just not there mentally anymore. I think he's, he's got Drew Lilly syndrome. He's got which? Drew Lilly syndrome. He's lost all his yeah. confidence, and he can't yeah. get it back. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said there. I think much like the uh, Jason Moss situation in Edmonton, uh, the quarterbacking situation, particularly right the way it looks right now in in Ottawa, will be another topic of conversation two weeks from now that will be even more interesting and more definitive. Yeah, I think you're right about that. That's actually a really good point. All right, so let's move on from the quarterbacking in Ottawa. We all agree it sucks. All right, so we're going to go on to uh, the next segment there. Uh, So there are new reports out suggesting that Matt Nichols could miss the remainder of the season with his injury. It's a shoulder injury, I believe, that he suffered. Or no, excuse me, it was a leg injury he suffered against the Lions uh, this year. So... How does Nichols being out long-term affect the Bombers' championship hopes? Championship hopes. And I think it makes sense, only makes sense to start off in Winnipeg. Uh, Mark, what do you think? If he's out long-term, what does that do to the Bombers' hopes for winning, uh, ending their Grey Cup drought? I honestly don't see him back until week 16-ish. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And I've been thinking week 15, week 16, because I'm pretty sure we have the, the last week of the season's a bye anyway. So I think they may have him come back then. Um, Will, I don't know if you listened to the press conference that O'Shea held about this report, but... He basically called the reporter a hack. And this is for one of the newspapers here in Winnipeg. It's Paul Friesen. He writes for the Winnipeg Sun. And if you can get him to write a nice article about the Jets, the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, anything, it's one or two a year. He likes he basically writes clickbait at times. Nobody else is reporting this. Nobody in Winnipeg. And O'Shea went off about it. Normally he would just do the, well, you know, whatever, but we'll see, I have to look at the tape, blah, blah, blah. Hello? Did we lose you, Mark? Mark just dropped. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, he did. I'll pick That's up where weird. Mark left off. He's probably still talking, too. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, if if O'Shea got that upset, it's probably true. And what I mentioned about the uh, computer at CFLCA.ca uh, spitting out the results that put the uh, Bombers with a 38 or 39% chance of winning the West, I'm going to if that is true, I'm going to give that 39% chance over to the Calgary Stampeders right now. 
And I'll leave the riders at the 49% that the computer gave them. And uh, that, that's all I got on that. All right. Well, we're waiting for. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Phil. Go on, Phil. Oh, that, that's going to be con- pretty controversial in Winnipeg if anybody listens to our show out there. Yeah, it could be. Well, we're waiting for Mark to rejoin. Join uh, Will. Uh, what do you uh, What do you think? You know what do you What does Mike O'Shea expect? Okay, because he doesn't give anybody any idea what's going on. So, of course, this guy's going to speculate. Because if you don't tell people what's wrong, you're thinking the guy's out long term. If you do think, tell the guy what's wrong, then people guess at how long it's going to be. And who knows? I mean, you know what? And, and Charles, it is a shoulder injury. It's not a lower body injury. Okay, I thought it was a leg remember, injury. Remember, remember he fell on his arm in that game? Right. And he came off the field. So it is an arm injury. And to me, it looked like a shoulder. Um, but who knows? I mean, who knows? Shoulder injuries are tricky. You know that from Travis Lule. I know that yep. from Bo Levi Mitchell. But... You know, shoulders can get to a point where, you know, you can shoot them up and live with the pain to play games. And I'm, I, I mean, we always put Matt Nichols down, but from what I've seen the last two weeks, he's better than Strebler. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay. In some ways, I mean, he can't run like Strebler can, but he can pass the ball, and this is a passing league, so. If he's if he's out for the rest of the year, the Bombers aren't going to win the Grey Cup. I, I have my doubts that the Bombers will win the Grey Cup with him, but they have a hell of a lot better chance. So, that's my take on it. Yep. I agree. Uh, Mark uh, is back with us now. I think uh, we lost you mid-sentence there, so... Yeah, the bolt of static came through the phone and decided. I I think in another life, I must have done something to the blog talk bitch. She really doesn't like me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Will's right. Um, Without Nichols, we're not winning the Grey Cup. It's not going to happen. I still think he'll be back week 15, week 16, though. That's it. Okay. Phil can go. Uh, Phil pretty much already went. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, there's really, there's not a lot to say about it, really. It's one report. Yeah, so, it's true. And it's not even a three-down report, so we can't even play with that. Yeah. yeah. So we Nobody will have heard to... anything uh, else. Yeah, we will have to see... What happens because, yeah. um, you know, I do think, though, that if this report does come true and he isn't able to come back um, this season, I pretty much think that's the end of the Bombers' hopes in a Grey Cup. Uh, no offense to Strebler, and uh, the Bombers still have a very good defense. I just don't know if Strebler is going to be able to generate enough offense 
to win a Grey Cup. He might get him there. He might get him to the West. Might still win the West. May get him to the Western Final. I don't know. I just don't know about him winning. I mean, and I could be wrong, but uh, I don't know. I just, I don't see it personally. But again, that's that's me. I could be wrong, and um, I don't know. Maybe a few more games under the uh, belt for Strebler, and maybe he improves. We'll see. But uh, I certainly think as it sits right now, uh, Strebler or Nichols is a better passer than Strebler. Uh, Strebler can certainly run the ball fairly well, but um, I'm still not convinced that Strebler is um, is ready to take him there. And that's not to say he may not be down the road, but I don't think he's ready for prime time yet. Uh, I don't. So that's how I kind of see that. And everybody else is given their two cents worth, so I guess we can go in unless anybody else has anything they want to point out. Only that um, when you first started, it is his upper body that's injured, yeah. not lower. Yeah, yeah. Will, Will corrected me on that, too. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that uh, it was a lower body. I'm not sure why. So, You know, it uh, wasn't his shoulder that he was holding walking off. It's just somewhere in the upper body. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, moving on, the CFL commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, had a sit-down with the Toronto Sun. Uh, a couple of interesting things coming out of this uh, interview here um, that he had with Randy Ambrosi, including uh, the discussion of maybe having a CFL game in Mexico, the fact that they're apparently talking to Japan about joining this whole CFL 2.0 initiative. Uh, he talks about some of what he wants to do to try and grow the markets and, uh, Get attendance up. I know, Mark, you read this story, so I'm going to again lead off with you. Uh, you went through, and um, what were your impressions or any surprises that you got out of this interview from from Randy and Brozy? One of the big surprises was Japan. I yeah. did not know Japan even had a football team. League. No. It, it sounds like some of the stuff I do find quite intriguing actually I'm not a huge fan of the football game in Mexico they can't sell out for the NFL I don't think it'll be a big crowd for the CFL um, is these players Canadian players going to Europe and Mexico and possibly Japan to play football having roster spots set aside in those leagues for Canadian players that could be a good idea, not for growing the game, but getting somebody who is in his fifth year of university. He's a good football player, but he's not good enough yet. Instead of being out of football, he can at least maybe go to Europe, go to Mexico, and play football and try to get better and to get back to the CFL kind of like how the American players use the CFL as a way to get better and go back down. So I do find that kind of interesting. Um, not a huge fan of the whole Japan thing. I think that's putting the cart before the horse there. Let's deal with what we have now. 
And apparently they're still working with two or three groups in Montreal. And he's and it sounds like Ambrosi is the one that wants to keep it quiet about what's going on. That's why we haven't heard anything. You know, it was the usual softball questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did admit that in some ways he admitted that touchdown Atlantic, it was great. But it's going to take tourism to fill the stadium. He actually does kind of say that. Because he was at the game and there was people from all across Canada and people were saying, you know, yes, get a team here because then we can come to a football game here and then go on vacation. So he's almost said that we don't expect the Atlantic provinces themselves to fill the stadium. It will be. I don't think anyone expects that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting spin on it. Uh, I give him credit for at least saying stuff when he answers questions. Yeah, he didn't have much to say about the um, XFL coming. Thankfully, he's staying quiet about that. Don't need to stir anything up. But I really don't know if I want, like we were saying, I was saying offline before the show started. Can you imagine the fans in Saskatchewan and Winnipeg if that was one of the games they decided to play in Mexico or in England? You'd have a pretty pissed off Prairie fan base. You that wouldn't have. That wouldn't have, Mark. Uh, it might because it's a marquee game. It'd be Toronto or BC. Much more than likely, but it would be a marquee game. It would take Chase six days to drive there without a shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we were saying, though, it would be great. You go on vacation, go watch a football game, and then you're in Mexico for a week. Mm-hmm. But I just don't, like, do an exhibition game, sure. But I'm not sure about jumping into a full regular season game. Like to see where the CFL's getting all that money to. Yeah. No, it's a good article. They do touch on quite a few things, and at least he's he's pretty bullish still on the CFL 2.0. And the fact that the millennials, the young kids coming in, they don't just want to sit and watch a football game. They want to go to the bars at the stadium. They want to talk to their friends. They want to walk around. Hamilton was sold out. The stadium looked mm-hmm. half empty. It looked half empty when I first turned the game on because everybody was done. They have apparently have a bunch of bars at the stadium, and everybody was at the bars. That's yeah, Ambrosi made much a, football. Ambrosi made a good point about that, and, and uh, he said uh, it's we're trying to turn CFL stadiums into nightclubs so we can attract millennials. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a great no, idea. not at all. No, I think yeah. it's great. And uh, I, I would I just oh sorry you go ahead you finish your, finish your thoughts. Uh, somebody came up with a good idea today that they could help at IGF. What Saskatchewan has in the one end zone, the pill the pill zone, the standing room. Yep. Bomber fans would be all over that in an end zone. Edmonton's been doing a good job of that for years with the Rum Hut. Or no, sorry, is it, yeah, is it the Rum Hut there or Winnipeg? No, that's in Winnipeg. Okay, so, but Bomber fans have had something similar, and then they went away from it, and now they brought it back. Or, or Bomber fans, sorry, the Edmonton Eskimos 
they had yeah. something similar, and they, they dropped it for a couple of years, and they've brought it back now. And uh, I remember when I first moved to Edmonton around 2005, how successful that that area of the, of the stadium was. I, I remember thinking, gee, you know, there's all these good tickets here, but all those people are down there. What, what are they doing there? Why, why are the crowds so big? No, all in all, it's a good article. I thought he answered the yep. questions quite well. If, if there's one thing I can say about CFL 2.0, which I've been so skeptical about right from the start, is that Mr. Ambrosi has at least remained dedicated to it, so he believes in it. And he's, he's no idiot. And, and there is a lot of television revenue possibilities here. And he's stuck with it. He's believed in it. And he keeps pushing it, and he keeps expanding it. So I'm starting to believe in it more and more, just on a conceptual basis. Uh, you know, uh, not seeing anything tangible yet, of course. Um, and uh, I, I'm getting, uh, being less and less skeptical, honestly, because he is a good businessman, and I believe he knows what he's doing, and he knows that his success can be measured by the next TV contract which is about to expire. And they're going to have a new event at Grey Cup this year. The International oh, House. Yeah, No, the International House. Okay. Huh. They're, they're inviting all the various um, football leagues, the heads of the leagues, to the Grey Cup. Wow. Expect some wow. sort of big That's announcement. interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I just read it just now. I hope it's very successful. It's here in Calgary, and I'm going to make a point of uh, if I do go out to one of the events, that will be one I will attend. Huh. Yeah, it says it'll. Uh, they're going to have all their global partners at the Grey Cup, and there will be some announcements made when we bring that group together. My brother lives in Viejomosa, Mexico. And I shared that ad that came out was on Twitter and all over the place. Uh, I, I don't know if it was an ad. It was was, was a uh, a little videotape of a Mexican ad with him, yeah. and uh, he's been sharing it. Uh, he he speaks fluent Spanish. He's been there about twenty five years, and uh, he's been sharing it around. And, and and he has an office in Houston as well, and where there's a lot of CFL fans. There's, you'd be surprised how many CFL fans are in Houston. And uh, it's it's actually interesting some of the feedback I'm getting about uh, the interest in 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 Mexico not not directly from him but because he's been sharing it around and it's been coming back to me uh, how many people are actually a little bit interested in what's going on with the CFL at least they're aware about it down there. Yeah, uh, so and you know it, it something like this is going to take time to build, but. The more and more people know about it, obviously, the better. Will, do you have any thoughts about what the commissioner said in any of this in this uh, article? I didn't read the article. I've got, I'm going to read it later. But you know what? I think the main thing we've got to focus on is building the league in Canada, okay? Because basically that's going to be our base for the rest of our lives or the rest of the CFL's life. And I guess if you have to do more 
party things for millennials than you do party things for millennials, okay? I guess the day of the football purist is all gone now, okay? And people want to go there and drink. And, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, between, I'm going to say between 20 and probably 25, I didn't go to football games because I had other things to do on Friday nights and Saturday nights, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, they're, I guess they got to cater to that crowd. It seems that we're catering to the millennials all the time because I guess they are the next generation. God save the world. Um, Did I say that out loud? Whoops, sorry, didn't mean to say that. Um, But... uh, yeah, I think you got to work on it in Canada first, and then you can go to these other areas. Because like your 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 base is always going to be in Canada. Let's face it. And the more people you get interested in Canada, the better. So, Will, one of the reasons they're after the millennials. When you go to a football game, including your ticket, how much do you spend? Say that again. When you go to a football game, including your ticket, how much do you spend at a game? Nothing. These guys are spending hundreds of dollars. I get that. I get that. Not including their ticket. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. I get that. It's the beer money. They want the party guys. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. I mean, and and that's fine. That's fine. And, I mean, Winnipeg Stadium and Saskatchewan Stadium, and I do believe Hamilton Stadium is set up for that. Um, You know, and maybe that's the way stadiums should go. Um, You know, there's always been a – I think there's always been a big following at Stampeders games of university students because – the stadium is right there and university students that live there, they tend to go to football games. Um, But yeah, I can see, I mean, we got to bring in a younger crowd. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. So, and I mean, I would even go as far as if someone sat beside me that didn't know what football was, I could explain it to them, I guess if I have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. In the 1980s, uh, or, or in the late 1980s, or more, more the early 1990s, when the CFL was starting to have its problems, there was talk again and again about something called the lost generation. They had lost a, a 20-year demographic with what had happened in the early 80s. And they, and they kept talking about the 70s as the golden era of the CFL. Well, the CFL has actually got back to that and, and, and beyond that in the uh, late 2000s and early 2010s. So I, I think we've got a new golden era. Um, I, f- I forget the point I was trying to make, but uh, b- basically uh, this loss of millennials is uh, – it's a pending loss. It's like it's in kind of in progress, and they're kind of looking at, at what happened at, in that previous period and fearing it will happen again. And uh, if we can get them in the stadium, 
will eventually get them back on the TVs. And yep. and the bulk of the money for this league right now, well, like the NFL, yep. comes from TV. Yep. Phil, I'm, going, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there because we're just over a minute. So uh, we're going to have to go. We're going to wrap the show up here, so I'm going to do this quickly. So thank you for everyone that was on here tonight. Uh, we didn't get to Dennis KC Parks. But look up O Canada, O Christmas Tree. It's hilarious. It was embarrassing, but whatever. Uh, just under a minute, so I'm going to go around and say everyone uh, say goodnight quickly. Uh, let's go to Will. Good night, everybody. Uh, watch football this weekend. Go Owls. Yep. Uh, Mark, say goodnight. <laughs>